0: This is Drifting Prime. My name is Gerald Hernandez, and our guest today is Mike Farr of the Tandem Podcast. How's it going? It's going, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good.
1: Long day at work.
0: Right. Uh, Same here. I thought I was going to be off at three, and then (laughs) I was still there at four, and then I had to drive to go pick up my son, and then still come home.
1: Yeah. Been a long day. Oh, I, I didn't get home till 7 o'clock, so I know the feeling.
0: Oh, and you're, uh, what, Central Time or Eastern Time?
1: Central I live in Wisconsin.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I just got home, too, like, what, 20 minutes ago. And yeah. it's 7 here, so. <laughs> I know Exactly. Struggling. But is it cold over there? I you got a beanie on.
1: Uh, it's. God. When I started work today, it was. I think seven degrees when I ended. It was probably like 20. <laughs> nope. Uh, I'll stay my ass in
0: SoCal. <laughs> I can't deal with it. Uh, I can't stand SoCal. So <laughs> uh, you know, I've traveled a little bit, not much, but every time I leave here, I find like everywhere else is the nicest people I've ever met. They stay <laughs> in the right lane, they only use the left lane to pass. Here is people who are willing to die before they let you <laughs> in front of them.
1: Oh, yeah. I've, I've been up to la a couple times it's a shit show here yeah exactly
0: but uh for those uh, people that don't know you if you can go ahead and introduce yourself who you are what you do um
1: besides running a podcast about more of the grassroots and style of drifting (laughs) i kind of got into drifting i don't know five six years back started doing it with my friends which evolved into because i live in the midwest it kind of evolved into a team thing so because when i started it was a couple of years before final bout and then once we heard final bout was coming out we all scrambled well we scrambled for about a year to figure out a name and then once we did we kind of went from there and started drifting and it's been an off and on thing for me and trying to get back into it again after trying to rebuild my car so now it's i want to get another car so i can actually drive
0: you know this one's getting built oh what are you building right now i've been listening to your show a little bit but i've heard mention of a e36 and an fc and i haven't really caught which one you currently have
1: i drive a fc right now well i did drive
0: Mm -hmm. it
1: had a regular na 13b in it which was Got awful uh-huh. made lots of noise, didn't go nowhere. But uh, I used to have an E36. Oh, okay. I sold it. Now I uh, regret it every day because I miss that car more than anything because it was so reliable. And I could just beat the hell out of it and still be running. And it didn't go through tires too bad either. And it was just, like, the perfect amount of power for driving and not burning up tires constantly
0: and with uh you do mostly grassroots stuff and like i noticed that you guys kind of have you guys are all about like you don't need a whole lot to start and everyone's trying to build a v8 uh you know 240 with wise fab to get into the sport and i know you're kind of you have like your own opinion on that
1: well my my opinion on it is that if you're getting into it start somewhere comfortable Mm -hmm. start really low horsepower um it, low horsepower, low low. Oh my god! Low horsepower will teach you a lot more of driving skill and a lot more of using the car to mm. your advantage. Yeah. Versus, I, I I always feel like power is a crutch when it comes to, um, initially beginning. But mm. I mean, there's some cars out there that are very well off, like the 350Zs that have a good amount of power that you could actually drive and really do well with with even staying the VQ for many years
0: yeah that's probably the best car to start out with from my understanding especially with horsepower get, horsepower level to start with yeah and all that's around...
1: another, another thing would be the any of the BMWs they have the 320 either the 325 straight 6 or up from there and they they just seem like they're a reliable platform. I think when I did mine, I I think the only thing I had a problem with was I'd blow hoses off the radiator because it for some reason the coolant pressures always got really weird on that. But besides that, it was fine.
0: Was that the one? Did they have uh, on the E thirty six? I'm not sure. Did they? Ha- is that when they had like those stupid plastic clips or there were the plastic like connectors with those metal clips that kind of like clipped in?
1: Uh, I believe so. I, I know the only problems I had was um, with the E36s, they really used like, a really crappy plastic for the year because I think they were trying to do like the biodegradable stuff or when it was like EPA started getting into it. Yeah. And the expansion tanks would get really hard and start to crack. So you'd always get heating issues from that. And the other thing would be that I know that's notorious for those is the plastic impellers on the water pumps. I've replaced two of those until I went to a metal one.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't... But I, you
1: don't, don't. You drive a BMW, right?
0: I did until I hit the wall at Irwindale.
1: That'll happen. That'll yeah. happen.
0: Yeah, so now I'm building a uh, a car my first ever drifted in, which is a Cadillac C T S V.
1: Ah, that's a nice one. How how do you, how's that platform? I know. Oh, I have
0: no fucking clue. Uh, (laughs) Actually, so in 2016 is when I went to drive my first drift event. And it was in my 2005 Cadillac at the time. And I had no idea what I was doing. The car's a boat, by the way. It weighs 4,000 pounds. Oh yeah. Yeah, it I can see that. It has an L S in it, but that doesn't mean shit when you have four thousand pounds and a stock four hundred L S, like weight you know, power to weight ratio is pretty similar to what these guys are doing in SRs and not to mention all those SRs, pretty much their cars have set up for coilovers. I was just lowered on springs. So it was a mess at the time. Uh and then I wrecked that car into a wall on the freeway one night so that motor got put into the bmw
1: ah so do you think that was an undeveloped platform that you could have pursued eventually or is it do you think it's not a competitive
0: the cts itself yeah uh we're gonna find out because i'm building a brand new one now (laughs) but this one actually has like all the the goods in it or at least most of them as far as like bushings go it's not a whole bunch of rubbing running around I just don't
1: yeah I I think there's a few people that actually run that car in the um, grassroots level I know there's uh, uh, one in Chicago I can't remember his name off of hand and I think there's another guy in like the Oklahoma area because I know he does okay drift i think
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i've heard they're a decent platform and you have to get used to them and i know there's one at fd so no no that's a, that's develop... an
0: that's an 80 ats V. so yes, he right. so that car has like the, the mcpherson front end i have a double wishbone oh okay so and they're like aluminum arms so even if i wanted to get like some extended ones like have somebody hack those up and just extend them, it's kind of a, a tough deal because a lot of people aren't willing to extend the aluminum since they're well, ca- since it's cast.
1: Then, then you have to go with the tubular route, which will cost you more money in the long run, but it'll be better. It'll be a more beneficial because you can get a little, little bit more adjustment out of it too.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of limited on it because we'll see. I know Phil just made coilovers for it apparently Odie used to own one and he made a kit a while back and then like a group of guys had hit him up uh, like in the v1 community like hey can we get some more coilovers so i ended up making them again um i have a guy Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) that you i i might help you out with that might actually help with some of the development um we'll talk about that after or whatever gotcha Um. Yeah, I originally was when I first got into it. The BMW wasn't really a popular chassis states wise Obviously, it was big out in Europe because that it's been there longer. Oh. and they're kind of using it like that. Um, but now that you're now that I went to an FC, there's less for that versus the BMWs because the BMWs everybody's building now. But, I mean, that's just the name of the game.
0: There, it, I, To me, it's all the same price at the end of the day. Or kind well, of. You know, if you're doing like a, depending on what you're building or how much you're building it up, you know, depending on yeah. how little you get your car for is kind of really like the biggest part. Because if you want an angle kit, depending on what you're doing, if you want like cut knuckles, what's that average, like 300 bucks?
1: Three to four. It depends. It depends on who you go through too.
0: Yeah. So it's just it's all the same. You know, you don't need Weiss Fab. I never, I've never touched that stuff.
1: Yeah, I will never either because it's too expensive. It ain't worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah, like the my on the BMW, I just had uh, DriftKnuckles dot com their unicorn kit, but that was yeah. it. There, every bushing on that car was stock.
1: Yeah, and that was the exception with both of my cars the first things i've done were um bushings and um seat stuff the kind of normal stuff that you do then first thing other first thing was like an arrow kit on it after coilovers.
0: how do you feel about uh are you super into like the stylish like the whole body kit i am you know i'm so indifferent with that like i don't i don't I grew up in like in the hot rod scene, American muscle cars and stuff like that. Like always, yeah. my whole life. So all that stuff growing up, like that's rice to me. Well, I mean, what, and the culture, yeah, the, it's, it ahead. has a culture though. So it's just something the, I always looked at it that way.
1: Yeah, the the culture around me, the, it's it's really it's one of those things where if you ever come to Chicago, mm-hmm. you have to experience how like Chicago is events and the cars are out here is we really haven't had too much of a pro contingency for since I've been in a drifting. It's been more of the grassroots level and it was more of the style where you got kind of the low, everything you got to look cool. It was, looks at almost looks like I have to have the rolling car show and that was always the mentality when I got into it. And that's what I, that's what drew me to it, is because these cars are super low and they're actually driving. Mm. And now, now it's kind of different now that we're kind of seeing in the grassroots, all the cars kind of getting raised up and they're starting to go towards a little bit more grip orientated builds and a little more clearance and, I'm not indifferent for it, but hmm. I don't know. There's there's a time and a place. It's not a time or a place. It's more of kind of the evolution of what's been going on with it. Mm. But
0: yeah, yeah, I can see how but, it's evolving into something different. But the... I think
1: I, I think that's mostly because some of the tracks that people are driving out are a little bit more beat up. Especially, I know, out in California and a few of those tracks are kind of rough, so yeah.
0: there's a
1: few people raising <laughs> it out.
0: you seen pictures of Grange?
1: I have seen pictures of Grange. I've
0: <laughs> fucked my car up there so many times. <laughs> I broke, yeah. like, two wheels there. I've lost so many side skirts, bumpers. And there's not even yeah. any walls. It's <laughs> just <laughs> how... There's...
1: There's a couple there's at our track there's a couple deep ruts right where people like to dirt drop right off the track, and yeah, there's been times when I've lost side skirts, and I lift up my car just to see board slide marks of me just running the side of the track and tearing it up.
0: you ever look at your frame rails on the bottom, you know it yeah. kind of has like that layer of what is it like some type of coating like that that undercoating, but, and it's like it's yeah. just pure metal, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, that's
1: pretty much it. But yeah. I mean, it's it's not. I I have to say we're privileged with some of the tracks that we drive. Mm-hmm. But and I need to get up to the West Coast and see what it's like out there, and I want to see what the East Coast is like too.
0: Yeah, you and I like I have a, a super big thing for lowered cars. Not slammed. I'm not a huge fan of like slammed and dumped. But like my car was as low as I can get it without like causing me any issues. And I was still like my rear tires were always rubbing no matter how much I try to pull those fenders out. <laughs> so it was always there. But I like that whole uh I grew up around like that sleeper shitbox thing. Yeah. You know, so like when I see a car that looks like total shit but just like is shredding or is just like the fastest car on the track, to me that's always been attractive and then some people are just like I got to have style. It's got to look yeah, good. And that's, that's where I'm me. getting to right <laughs> now as I'm getting since I'm getting older it's like I don't want to have the nicest car on the track. I'm not looking for that, but I don't want a shit box.
2: Yeah. And that's what
0: and, my BMW turned into.
1: Yeah. And that's another thing that I had problems with was um this kind of culture of running the wall and like, like smashing your car just for the fuck of it that kind of ruined like I mean it didn't ruin it for me but it just like it kind of ticked me off a little bit like it, it's irritating because why would you want to go out there and fuck just... shit up yeah cause Agree. I, I've never hit a wall I've hit my friends on accident but I've never hit a wall and I don't plan
0: You've never hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that part. All right. All right. But yeah, yeah so, I don't think anybody wants to just, well, some people want to go up and beat up their kids.
1: Yeah. It's just one of those things where I never saw the, yeah, it's cool to run the wall really close, but smashing your car for the hell of it is the whole thing entirely. Yeah. But I don't know, some people, that's what they want to do. But some people, they do that and it takes them out of the sport for so long or it takes them out of the sport definitely because they can't fix the car.
0: Yeah, I, I I remember I was listening to one of your other episodes and you had mentioned how some people will get into it, they'll dump their whole life into it for like one season, wreck the car, and then that's it. They sell everything and they're done.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've heard some of the war stories of people in Formula Drift that have spent maxed out credit cards just to go to Formula Drift, not to return the next year. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess you're not seeing that as much because the kind of pro-am mentality is kind of taken root in that. And it, it's kind of good on that side, but I kind of feel like it's a little too late for that. Cause we're not really seeing a bunch of the up and coming drivers being able to be part of the come up the pro. I mean, we're seeing a lot of um, foreign people come in mm-hmm. and that's kind of the contingency that could actually pay for the vents. And plus, there's a lot of weird things going in pro and pro am lately yeah. that have sparked my interest, especially with doing this podcast. Because now I kind of look at everything instead of my little niche.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to keep a keep an eye on everything, so you, no, you know, you... so you're up to date with everything.
1: Yeah, because you you saw what was it the drift of or the death of. IDC to be replaced by drifting games, I would think it was called.
0: Irish Drift Games now?
1: Yeah, it's something like that. It's like drift games or something. Which I can see what they're trying to do is they're trying to turn it into a almost like a big thing. Yeah. And I don't know. And you saw the FIA come into um the mix, and everybody thought drifty was gonna change, and drifty wasn't going to be at a grassroots level anymore.
0: I don't know why people it, thought that
1: well, that is doing very poorly right now
0: i is i you guys have a lot of grassroots stuff over there, right
1: um yeah, so, oh yeah, we have tons so Good.
0: so do we do you um do you follow that fifty states of drift?
1: no, I don't.
0: Uh, on their website, they kind of have everything listed as as much information as they can get. Um, every event that's going on, wherever it's at in the country.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing that I I, I see with us. I mean, there's Club Fr, which is probably the biggest in like the Midwest when it comes to a lot of the grassroots events. And then mm-hmm. you got um, Drift Indie, which does quite a few grassroots events. Then you have little sub subsects of uh, different organizers that put on events at like circle tracks and whatnot, which in their own right they're fun tracks. I know some people get a little scared of it with banking and everything and walls, which I've drove a few of them. But they're not as bad as you'd think. Um, I know you guys, you if you've drove Irwindale, which you know how banked walls are.
0: Yeah, you know how hard it, it, they are.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> so, tough. I, yeah. Walls are hard on tracks like that. I still have but, a couple uh,
0: chunks of it in my wheel.
1: But the biggest thing I got whenever I drove at Circle Tracks were... We had one in, our, in my um, really close vicinity, which had really big banks, and they did... They had one of the, like the late model championships there every year for the last like twenty, thirty years or something. Hmm. But it's it's a really really big bank and it's really hard to hit the wall. But when you do, you hit it hard. But uh, you have to really huck it into it, and I I don't think people realize how hard it is to like throw your car at. A turn with a good graded bank like that, and be able to pull it off pretty easily. Because I think when I was doing it, I was doing like fifty miles, sixty mile per hour entries, just throwing the car with no e brake, just throwing it into the bank and then powering it in. And I don't know, it's just different kind of track, different kind of environment. I don't know what kind of your tracks have been. Obviously, you drove Grange and Irwindale.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then we also have a, another small little go kart track here called Adams. Yes. Um, And yeah. they kind of have like a bi weekly thing, which is super cool. But, you know, their their track is really, really slow. And that track, both that track and Grange will teach you how to use your handbrake, which is basically the only tracks I ever drove other than Irwindale. And, a uh, in Irwindale, you don't use your handbrake to entry. Yeah. So I didn't know that. But the first time I did it was the last time I did it. And ever since then, I just I, everyone was clutch kicking in. I was like, that seemed to be the easiest way to get it in the, you know, to get it to cut loose on the side, you know, once you got into the bank. Because it was kind of a pain in the ass if you try to use your handbrake, you kind of, if you don't know how to do it, because I've seen other people do it, um, it would kind of throw you down more towards lower of the bank. And then once you do the lower end of the bank, for some reason at the end, it will shoot you up towards the wall.
1: Yeah. That's another thing that I am kind of controversial on is I don't like the use of excessive handbrake. I know there's quite a few people that use it as a crutch too. And for the first first year of me driving I never had a handbrake and I did like six or seven events with no handbrake and it it taught me how to use the car and the momentum and the weight of the car a lot better which I think people should realize that the weight of the car is a really good initiate and it's really unique to try to work around linking a track without an e-brake because in some situations it's actually kind of nice and you can kind of feel out the car a little better because there's one part of u.s air where you crest the hill on the well you come up to a hairpin turn on u.s air and instead of where you would handbrake instead of using a handbrake what i would do is i'd pitch the car sideways pump the brakes to break traction and kind of use that to use the car to slow while i'm sliding and lose my momentum and then i'd get back on the gas and go it's kind of a different technique but it's always different it, it's it's a good way to learn on um, how to use the car's weight and braking Mm. and I've done it I've done it with the FC too
0: that's so. with when I so I only drove the the first Cadillac twice at Grange so I don't have any like low power using the weight well I use the weight on that car like to learn from so I remember that car that had a bad clutch so trying to clutch kick in wouldn't work I just remember I had to like pitch the car really hard and then and you know, then stamp stomp on the brakes real quick to get it to go sideways for the grade yeah. entry.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Was, okay. uh, but with mine, it was to uh, kind of mitigate not having an e-brake to slow down and to a corner, especially when you're going sideways. But yeah,
0: I, I understand. Okay, so instead, what do you, do you wait to catch up to speed, or do you just floor it from like the beginning of the start line?
1: Well... It depends on what I'm doing at a track. Uh, I, Whenever I initiate, I like to throw the ass under of the car one direction, like, obviously, throw one direction to another, which makes initiates fun, and then sometimes I'd clutch kick. It, it depends on what the turn calls for. Obviously, a lot of people feel that out once they start driving
2: Yeah,
1: for a track.
0: So, and then, what's... I know there was, there's was some mention on one of your other episodes of like certain people coming into the sport and just wanting to go pro. Yeah. I remember I don't I forgot who the guest was. I, I didn't catch his name. But it, i thought it was funny because was like first name, last name, asshole racing or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit, well, that's that's me. Yeah. And it's
1: I don't, I don't know. Some I believe some people should pay their dues. I mean, if your if your ambition is to be pro and do pro
0: things, it's
1: more power to you. But I just think the road ahead of you is a lot harder than just trying to go out and have fun.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I just don't I,
1: know. I I don't know. I I just feel, I feel like the almost pro mentality is a little dying, especially with what you have to do to be pro these days. I mean, hell, you got to be a mechanic. You got to be a driver. You got to be a spokesman. You got to be a YouTube and, and or a YouTube advocate. So you, Oh,
0: so glad you brought that up. I fucking hate YouTube. And you just
1: have to have this presence now, which is kind of weird, but now we're seeing like, these guys come from a grassroots level and be just as popular as a pro drifter and have more of a following. I mean, it, it's kind of weird to, it, it's definitely a weird time for drifting. I mean,
2: it's, I it's, it's growing a really time
0: for social media when it comes down uh, to. Yeah. It's a popularity contest in any scene.
1: Yeah. But that's, that's just how, sponsorship dollars work
0: yeah and it sucks
1: and i don't know as much as as much as i i enjoy watching fd and being a kind of a i know in my little world of adjacent being a part of it yeah um it's nice to see that kind of environment but as an outsider looking in it doesn't seem as glamorous as what i think it would be i mean obviously it's a it's a job at the end of the day when you get down to it
0: i think it's a job if you make it a job you know like well, I, yeah i have my nine to five and that pays for everything i got going on so i'm not yeah. looking to go like to get my pro 2 license and be like oh who's gonna you know who's gonna give me some money so i can uh, stop working now like so that's not how real life works
1: so do you think I mean, if you're going for pro two and you're going into pro, do you think the the gap is too big? too big to bridge now
0: from because, pro two to pro yes uh no all those pro t- I don't know it depends on how much people are building their car I notice. You know, at the end of the day, they're all running coilovers and angle kit and an engine, right? You know, and some guys are just putting more fab work into their car, I noticed. Like, look at um, Kaufman's car. He's still running a radiator in the front.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's some outliers out there, yes.
0: So, like, it's just... But but he's still competitive.
1: He is competitive. That doesn't
0: make him... He's, you know, no one... I wouldn't say anybody's car is, like... Dominating somebody else's because they decided to cut the back half off. I think it's a lot of it's just driving.
1: I, I, I got you there. I don't think it's driving, I think it's more of setup and driving. Yeah, I mean,
0: well, yeah, obviously a proper setup, knowing your car.
1: You, we're seeing a lot of people come out there that can be competitive and have high grip at a grassroots level on top of <laughs> because you, you kind of still saw, saw that change with uh, the Super D stuff, yeah. And I think Super D is a great idea. Hang on, and I think it's well executed.
0: Yeah, I you know, give me one second. Let me see. I'm right. getting poor network connection again. It's so weird. I can still see you moving and doing everything, but my computer is just like fuck you. <laughs> I have like another computer that's more up to date, but it only has like the um, the one port for it's like a. A mic and a headphone setup. So when I plug my headphones in, it cuts out the mic. So I was like, "Shit."
1: What mic do you use? Uh,
0: I have a mic that goes into a recorder.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I just use it. I use a USB mic, and that's all I use.
0: um, It actually works really well. Uh, I'm probably gonna end up trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this computer. (laughs) we're getting another one this is actually like my personal computer it's like eight years old and i use it for work so i might hit them up for a new one and then (laughs) give them this one
1: so yeah i i I think that we're seeing a different environment when it comes to car setups and uh with like especially at the grassroots level with super d and everything
0: and you know yeah they're they're starting to get their car set up a little differently, and it's really showing in their driving. I mean, there's they've always Even... driven that tight line together, but then again, they've yeah. also pro- they've also progressed their driving as well as their knowledge for their setup for their car. Well, I think it just kind of all comes together.
1: I think there's a, a lot of really good drivers out there, and I don't know. We just the grassroots guys never got the spotlight because it was never something they wanted. And now that it's kind of unexpectedly become into light with some of the events that we've had at grassroots levels. And it's kind of shown that, hey, grassroots driving can be cool and not look like I have to put Mm -hmm. uh race or livery on my car that looks like a power bar
0: yeah and And... some people don't like liveries too they like the clean look
1: yeah and that's another thing is you got a bunch of the guys that really like just plain jane cars Mm -hmm. that just have one solid color
0: yeah and then you know then you have the guys who like the body kits some guys don't like body kits Some guys like certain arrow pieces, you know, and that's, and that's what I'm trying to bring with my thing is it is style. It's not the traditional Japanese style. It is different, but it is a style.
1: I, I honestly thought I never thought that U S style was trying to, um, encompass Japanese style or be Japanese style I don't think Japanese style can ever be replicated at least okay. in the US. I feel like US style is always just US style. I mean there's cars that are very JDM styled, but I don't think they're too 100% of a JDM style. I just I always think that US style has their own flavor and I don't think it's. I don't think it's something that can be replicated somewhere else either.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think there is. It's, but it almost looks like it's an imitation, so to speak.
2: But as,
1: isn't everything an imitation? It yeah, sure I mean,
0: the fuck is. My podcast is. Because
1: <laughs> I mean, you even have stuff in Japan where they're stealing USDM spec cars. I mean, I don't see why our style is not interchangeable with theirs but i don't feel like i mean everything's a ripoff of something else i mean we have a million of these cars with liveries that almost kind of look the same you just got a different color
0: yeah like my livery is a rip off from a cadillac racing car
1: exactly it's Um,
0: it's changed a little bit but it's you know it's the same roots it's where i got my idea from
1: And that's the same way with the Grassroots guys. Everybody's kind of copy or imitated one of the Japanese cars, but they've always made it their own. Mm -hmm. And I I always think that's a very unique thing when it comes to the Grassroots level. But it's still just different. And I think it's just going to be different because it's different.
0: Yeah. And then like we have I don't I don't personally I don't know anybody and I don't yeah, I don't know a single driver that competes and that wants his pro license that doesn't go to as many grassroots events as they can.
1: Well yeah. When it comes to that, I mean it's seat time. C time's everything. I, and
0: it, it is, but sometimes we just not I can't say because 'cause I'm not competitive. So but, like, for the competitive drivers, sometimes they just want to go out and they want to just have fun. They're not there, you know, because there's, like, yeah. a, there's an end goal. They're they're there with their friends they met in the same place that you did, the racetrack.
1: Yeah, and you actually, I, I feel like there's a, a lot more people. You get a lot more seat time when it comes to a grassroots event, especially when it's not, like, a competition-style one because... Mm-hmm. You're just running. I mean, I don't know how many days that I've went out to an event, and, like, by the second day, everybody's just hot lapping. And the only time you'd get off the track is either cool down the car because it's getting way too goddamn hot
0: or change the tires. Mm-hmm. That's what we have here in SoCal. We have a uh, an event holder. But that's, another
1: thing, I, that's an, another thing I think of as kind of – unappealing towards the competition side is you got um, guys that come out there and and there's going to be, there's always going to be losers and those losers are going to have to sit out and wait for the day to end. And whether that's packing up the rig and going home or you get to compete for the rest of the day. And it, with the grassroots level you don't see that you just run it until either a car blows or you finish the day off or you run out of tires yeah and i think it's more appealing to the general crowd but or the general participant maybe not the crowd because the crowd's not in there but i don't know how many times i've been sitting at the track and some random guy or kid or Guys girlfriend comes up to me, "Hey, can I ride in your car? Can I do this?" Or, yeah, go ahead, just make sure you wear a helmet. Yeah. And then I I have to teach him how to wear a harness, which I hate every single time. <laughs> but yeah, it's I don't know. There's there's a little more leeway when it comes to the grassroots stuff, which is nice.
0: No, no, it is. And then like for me personally, like obviously I love the grassroots stuff. It's best time to get seat time. Like, we over here, we have um, an event holder called Slide Factory. And the majority of the events are at Grange. But, like, when you go to their event, it's an all-day thing. And then sometimes they'll have, like, some type of, like, drifting competition, so to speak. Like, best entry. Or they'll do, like, a... I can't remember what it's called. Maybe... I don't know. They have you handbrake in between boxes. Whoever gets the best.
1: Yeah, like... a. Handbrake competition, or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. and
0: you know, just shit like that, and that's that's super fun to do, and that there's, I don't think anybody else is gonna be like this is fucking boring. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I don't think I've ever been to the track and had a boring day. Yeah, exactly. I've had a bad day at
0: <laughs> the track, and I still wasn't bored. Yeah, I was pissed and, off, but
1: <laughs> I hit my buddies, and I've went away smiling more than I have on days where I didn't hit somebody or didn't destroy my arrow it's it's just one of those things where i mean it's just fun and i don't know i i kind of never want to lose that aspect of it because it's fun and i don't think i will because it's not going to become something i don't want it to be and i i feel like that could happen if you're in a pro but it depends on the person for that when i see it
0: yeah uh, exactly um and like over here I don't know what it's like over there but over here it's there's like this just is just my personal opinion but i there's like this popularity contest and it's so much like high school yeah are you it the cool kid is. i like,
1: i know what you mean especially at the grassroots levels it's definitely a little bit of a popularity contest but i've never i've at first, I thought it was kind of like that. And then when I started building the car, and there's always going to be people that hate your car for what it is. Like, my next iteration of my FC is going to be almost a time attack inspired uh, car, but it's going to drift.
0: It's a, but, with a drifting setup. Yeah. And that's, but, and that's fucking awesome. Like, I see zero problem with that.
1: It, but the thing is, is some people aren't going to like it. Do I care? No, it's because it's something <laughs> I've wanted. It, it's something I've taken. It's
0: like some people like, can fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, like, when I first started getting into drifting, uh-huh. I didn't even want to get into drifting.
0: Oh.
1: I first wanted to get into doing uh, track days because I had a an E30, uh, E30.
0: You had an E30? What?
1: No, I, I had a... Um, a Honda hatchback. Sick. So I wanted, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to get into doing track days and stuff like that. But my friend started getting into drifting, so that car left, and I got my first BMW, which was an E30, and that thing never ran. But,
0: I had one of those.
1: Yeah, amazing cars. Love them.
0: I flipped it over on the freeway.
1: But that takes some talent
0: no it it takes (laughs) some hydroplaning and hitting the center divider and then it just rolled over i was like all right well there goes that but
1: yeah but back when i wanted to build my um civic i really didn't really have a point of entry Mm -hmm. unlike today where you have like events like grid life and they have a bunch of track days where you can go and kind of get your feet wet, That it, it more appeals to the younger crowd versus back when I wanted to do it. It was like the uh, 40 year old guys out there in Japanese cars that are trying to race and be fast or like some of the little track of track days you could go to. And there wasn't as much as there is now, but it has was always kind of inspired me, and that's what wanted this iteration of my car to be. And I, I kind of started that with my E4, or my the FC, and now I think I'm going to go full bore into it. And I think it's going to be a really weird setup, and I think it's going to hate, get a little bit of hate for what it's going to look like. But how
0: much, really How much time attack look are you going for?
1: Um, you front do...
0: splitter, okay.
1: side splitters, I have a, I'm making a, uh, rear splitter for it. I have a big wing with big end plates on it. Um, <laughs> basically like canard, big canards up front, rear canards over the, behind the wheel well or front wheel well. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of arrow to it in it hopefully i can pull it off i i don't know if i can but it's definitely gonna look different i just gotta get my ass out in the garage and actually start working on it but now it's in the negative degrees i really don't want to get out there
0: yeah you know hang on i want to show you something so this is what oh nope there it is oh it's instagram Like this is, so I'm running, I have a front splitter um, on my car. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So I have a front splitter on my car and then I'm getting some, I think they're called rocker blades. I don't know what you get. At least that's what they're advertised as when I'm buying. Okay. Them. Um, And then I also have a wing and then, you know, those little roof spoilers that they have that come like right off of the yeah. back window. Yeah. it I'll have that as well. So I am adding some aero to the car, but it's not going to be like a massive body kit or anything like that. It's just, you know, yeah. the stock body kit with dressed up. Yeah. A dressed up stock body kit is the best way to put it. And and that's the kind of thing, like that's something I've always been into and that's stuff I like. So I wanted to implement like my own style, so to speak.
2: Yeah,
1: that's always kind of been... My feel on the take is I especially at the grassroots level, everybody kinda of sets up their car to be their own individualization of their self, I could say.
0: <laughs> like to represent themselves.
1: Yes. And
0: quote some un- people are quote unquote some artistically. People,
1: some people like a very sleek and look and some people like a very aggressive look i mean
0: very loud yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's just...
1: and and it, you i don't know the the car that really stood out to me at had uh, a pro or pro 2 level was uh i think it was dustin miles car is that his name justin miles or dustin
0: uh justin miles i think i know who you're talking yeah about. his car dustin is miles. super loud right yeah, as far as like visibly, it's super loud.
1: It's honestly probably the coolest looking car on grid that I've seen at a pro event because it's just just got that amazing looking style. It's very like pays homage to like the Japanese drift. Yeah, and it's it's low. It's low for that setup i should say or that kind of driving but i mean he did um formula d and he earned that formula d uh, he did Pro uh
0: final final bow oh, he, he did?
1: did it with uh yeah he did it with a garage moon power
0: okay. and
1: obviously i could see where he got his setup for his car because his, his car on that track is very, very fast and it was very consistent. And I could see where, cause I didn't know he was in after seeing his car at final bout, I didn't realize how, like how initially setup really affected your tandems, mm-hmm. especially on a team aspect where, um, it's really crucial, crucial. Um, but I don't know. It was definitely a different look into, um, like competitive side of grassroots driving. And it's kind of cool to see competitive grassroots now. And it's kind of emerging into its own.
0: Yeah. And do you guys, other than like, um, like those little tandem comp or team tandem competitions, that there are a grassroot event events. Do you guys do anything else over there where you're at to kinda of have like some type of competition to like, you know, make things a little bit more exciting. <laughs> not that they're not exciting when you're driving next to your friends already. There's
1: Besides that event, there hasn't been too much. I mean, there has been for I know Drift Indy through an event not too long ago that was kind of the same same aspect i think it was like street league drifting or something like that a few i think it was a few years ago but i don't know if they still do it i don't pay enough attention to that at all the biggest thing with that was i I heard kind of uh mdu kind of went under and then now they're starting to come back into the single event
0: oh as the uh what was that i can't remember what it's called midwest drift union no, 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 no. The what they had last year, what was it? I forgot what they called it. Um, where Brandon Sorensen got his license, it was just that one event.
1: Oh, I I can't remember what it was called. <laughs>
0: I know what you're talking but, about.
1: But I I think they're having it again this year. And
0: I believe uh, the Midwest Drift Union is coming back as a whole.
1: Yeah, but I didn't know how many events they were doing. I. I haven't paid too much attention to it, which I probably should. Um, yeah, because when I when I started, we you kind of just had these D days, and then you started seeing the bashes start pop up, like uh, East Coast Bash, mm-hmm. uh, West Coast Bash, um, No Star Bash was what we had, which were really fun events, two days and it was one was uh at uh the same track that they do grid life ginger Men. and uh really fast track really fun i i when i went out there and drove it, i had a hundred and probably 40 horse and and i was just pinning third gear just trying to make sure i could get through the track <laughs> What but, do you what do you do I mean, for
0: setup like that on a lower powered car? Um, are you running like a you know just a regular tire pressure you'd run on the street and kind of like no different... I go ahead.
1: Um, I when I ran that one, I, I was running my Resics, which are seventeen by I think twelve with a ten or fifteen offset, and I'd run a 215 or 225. I'd max out the PSI at like 70 pounds, and I'd still be running like five or six degrees of camber. (laughs) And it works. I mean, the more PSI you put in that tire, the less traction you'll have, which is always a good thing, especially when you're running 140
0: horsepower. You know, I've been on the, uh, the fence about getting... A practice car and and just not a practice car just to have an, another car that i don't where i don't have to take my cadillac out to go you know to a local event something yeah that, that's cheaper that's, to run
2: that's
1: that's why i'm i'm in probably in the spring i'm in another, i'm in the market for another car because i want something that i don't have to deal with Getting in and out of a car with a cage and going through the whole thing of... I want a very streetable car, but I still want to be able to take it to the track, beat the hell out of it, and drive it home where I don't have to put it on a
0: trailer and bring that, it home. I'm in the same boat. All right. Is that a little better? Holy shit. That's even better quality, too. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. There we go. Sweet. Thank you. Um, But
1: uh, one of the things that... I'm kind of, I, I noticed that people are doing is kind of having a car just that's not built in the nines that people are actually like trying to learn on and be a little more low powered, which is conservative. nice to see. Yeah, it's that, that's very
0: exactly
1: conservative. What I want. That's exactly what I want. Very conservative cars are kind of. But I think that's kind of the mentality now is where you want a car that you don't have to put all this time and effort into just for it to break or have one little part fail.
0: And then ruin your fucking day. Yeah. Like, I don't mind, I don't mind towing the car out there just in case I do break something. That's not going to kill me. Like the extra, what, 30 bucks in gas to get to the track. Yeah, (laughs) I don't I don't don't mind that throwing it on the trailer just to like kind of have it set up that way. But if I just I'm looking into an E36. Yeah, they're
1: they're really good. Um, Back when I was starting to build it, it was kind of one of those things where there wasn't much aftermarket. So I had one of my buddies who was building the same exact car. He kind of started developing a lot of the stuff. And we kind of put everything we made into the test and just kind of ran it. And it's good shit (laughs) since we've actually tried to do some trial and error on it uh, because I was running his angle kit at the time. And when we wrecked, I broke one of the knuckle plates, which they were just cast a alum- or just regular a little aluminum and um ended up breaking one but he had an extra one so i threw it on the car and i drove it home i had to do like 45 down the highway because my um <laughs> tie rods are all out of adjustment and bent and um a couple bent rims so i'm like hopping down the road but she made her home after like a two and a half hour drive oh damn <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have thought there's an opportunity for two of them that are going to be up for sale. One's a maybe, might be. Well, actually, they're both that same way. My buddy Andrew has a sedan that he just he got for, like, dirt cheap and he ended up fixing, but now he's probably, you know, a couple grand into it. And he just wants his money yeah. back. And then uh, RJ from Big Duck Club. Yeah. He's got a coupe with a blown motor in it. he's willing to let go eventually or might, he said. So <laughs> I might be trying to pick that one up from him because that seems like the cheaper route. Cause after, you know, some shitty used coil overs, that's what I was planning on yeah. running.
1: Even I, I honestly think like a decent set of coil overs really make a good driving car. Uh-huh. And And uh, there's a lot of coilover manufacturers out there that are very competitive and actually they'll give you custom rates and custom springs for different setups you do. I know back when I had mine, there really wasn't that much on the market that was competitive when it came to custom. You could get custom rates, but they're never custom valved. And custom valving really makes the um shock a lot better i know even like bc now does custom valving which is kind of cool even on their like low end stuff
0: yeah and that's what they're like br series i think is their entry level
1: yeah yeah and back when i ran their stuff i mean i just i put i think 4k harder on each end because I was trying to run really low and just kind of make the car feel a little better. I know those, they got a really weird, like, setup to them, because back when I had it, you could get the front end really low, but you couldn't get the back end really low because of the spring. Um, it wasn't a true coilover setup. It's a spring, spring separate from strut. Mm-hmm. and you're kind of limited because of the spring like i was like i ran just the spring in it and no like absorber rubber bushing that they had it was just pretty much frame or spring on frame and spring in the perch and you could just get it low enough
0: yeah i had the uh, on the e46 i actually had the feels back there yeah and they made different variations of the rear true coilover so mine was at its highest setting and still rubbing and that was and I was only on a 255 tire that's not that big a tire in my opinion yeah, yeah. there's big there's obviously people running a shit ton bigger tires yeah that's
1: that's another thing is now you're seeing a lot of guys like run um a lot bigger tires for more grip and with some of the power that you put down i mean grip is the name of the game now it's kind of changed because everybody's trying to go a little bit faster and mm-hmm. a little bit i mean you, you get a little different now but grip is kind of the new thing and it, it's it's good to see because you've seen a lot of aggressive driving and it I know even at the grassroots level, you're seeing a lot of guys with really close tandems because of grip. I mean, we have one of the tracks out here, um, US Air, which is really small.
0: I looked it up. There's a few tracks on it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. They have a few layouts. Um, It's small, which makes high-powered cars kind of at a level playing field with some of the lower-powered cars, so you can get really good tandems together and it's really cool to see that
0: is that a go-kart track yes it is okay
1: go-kart and i think like supermoto yeah supermoto and motar and stuff like that but yeah you you see a lot of that because when i went out to the bigger tracks i was there big tracks and some of the ovals that i drove um you have to really, but I had to really bump up the pressures. Like at USA, I'd run anywhere from like 50 or 40 to 50 to 60 PSI, depending on how much I wanted my tires. to last. Cause if I went out in the early day when there was no tandem, I'd bump them up to 60 and then I could I can make my tires last all morning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what tires do you run? normally do you just run used, um, or do you have like a specific tire you like
1: uh <laughs> right now i've been running a few west lakes because they're like 60 dollars on amazon they ship right to your
0: house yeah i run the same i don't run that tire i run achilles the atr sport twos yeah and the 255 they're like 70 bucks a piece shipped
1: yeah and I kind of go for whatever's economical. I had this one tire shop that was giving me tires at cost. And it was just this like really weird tire that was Japanese or like Chinese complete knockoff of something else. And (laughs) I was getting them for like $40 a piece. Not even mad. And I could go, uh, they're really grippy. They're like, I think a 300 or 350 tread, tread wear. So they had like decent grip and um uh, they lasted like all day with my low hor- low horsepower.
0: Yeah, you know, I I was about 400 at the wheels and in my BMW the uh, the sport 2s are 400 treadwear, I believe if I'm not mistaken. And I would probably get anywhere depending on how my laps went. Um, anywhere from like six to ten laps. Yeah, and that's at that was at Irwindale.
1: Yeah, oh, well, I know Irwindale is kind of a rough track too.
0: Yeah, it, would, no, from what I've heard, it's it depends where you're at. There's certain spots where like there's like in the middle. Sometimes if they have you go through the middle section, there's a dip there, and you can't see it, but you can feel it. <laughs> but yeah. you never see it, and you never know it's coming.
1: Yeah, and there's one of the circle tracks that we used to go do. There was, the infield has a big bump right before you go to it. And uh, you'd hit it and bottom out, and then you'd have to, like, make sure when you bottomed out, you can actually hold the drift or you're going to spin it out, which it was always interesting to kind of feel that out, especially when I had a low car kind of at the time.
0: Yeah. So other than, you know, the whole grass, how do you feel about grassroots and pro-am? And do you feel, well, I would assume you didn't, um, that they're anywhere the same? Because some people will call a pro-am event a grassroots event. And personally, I don't believe it is. I think it's different. There's,
1: it's kind of a mix. I, I feel like, I, I don't feel like a pro am is truly a grassroots event because I, there's always that competition aspect. Mm-hmm. But it depends on honestly, it depends on the driver. Yeah. I mean, if if I was going to a competition like a pro am, I'd see it as a competition. But if you talk to a guy that just wants to go out and do a pro-am to do it and try to see how he fared, it'd probably be a grassroots firm. I mean, I don't. it, it depends on the driver. Hmm, okay. And that's kind of how I see it. I mean, obviously there's grassroots events where there is competition. And we've seen a few of those. But do those drivers want to go on to be in a pro class or be classified as a pro, that's another story. Okay. Cause I know, um, what was it, Adam LZ came out to the super D and drove. Um, would he see it as a competition? I, I don't know. And it depends on, it, it, and it really depends on the driver. I know a lot of those guys that came out to super d were just doing it because it was fun and the the biggest aspect of like that when it when it came to doing like the team stuff when I did it for for or for uh, final bout mm-hmm. I had more fun driving afterwards than i ever did during competition because it was more fun to tandem with my friends and other guys versus just tandem with my friends i mean it's cool to be in the mix and try to do the best you can but i honestly think just being out there with a bunch of really talented drivers on a hot track where you almost never have to stop was probably the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Because I know with some D-days or drift days that happen, you go sit in a line, somebody goes, and you kind of wait. Then it's your turn, then you go, and then you get back into the line. At Formula, or for Final Bout, it was kind of the opposite where you just got in line, and the only time you had to get out was to change tires, because after doing 10-12 laps with some guys your tires were junk and you have to come back in or go back in just to switch
0: yeah you know uh, some tires when you hot lap them they're not hot lap friendly no <laughs> like the the Keely Sport 2's not hot lap friendly not even a no. little bit no if you get them fucking hot you'll melt them
1: oh yeah and they start to get greasy and they yeah. don't like to hold up
0: yeah, like um, so Adams, you know, you were mentioning about like having to wait like Adams. You probably at Adams Motorsport Park here, the little go-kart track, you probably have to wait like five to ten minutes in between runs, depending on how packed it is that night. Yeah, especially if they're throwing an event. It's not just like some regular, you know, practice night or drift night. If it's like their Halloween event or their last event of the year, it's fucking packed you're waiting like sometimes I think I've waited like probably like fifteen, twenty minutes in between laps. And it's the you pay for one hour sessions. Yeah. So it's twenty five bucks an hour. And then for three hours I'm just like, fuck. I got six <laughs> laps.
1: Yeah. Do you do you honestly think that
0: driver counts are down? They are way in... down. For um, pro for the drift league. They were down for with well, drift. league just started though this season, the drift league was yeah. down. Uh, just drift was down. I don't know about Southwest because from my understanding, they did have a top 16 every round. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the, the count, the count is going down, but it's, it seems like it's starting to come back up. Like people are getting their shit situated.
1: Yeah. I mean, some regions are different. I know like Lone Star Drift has a lot of um, inspiring guys that want to go into that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I know the West Coast kind of has a little bit more. I mean, we don't really have it on. I mean, we had a little bit of it when we had MDU and now we're having it kind of come back. But... I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of one of those dying things and that's why we're not seeing too many guys get into it, but I'm a observer on the outside. Plus, I think one of the problems is the point of entry for getting into it.
0: Uh, to For getting into competition or just getting into drifting period? No, getting into competition. And uh, what is your...
1: I just... I, I feel like with the i mean with some of the tracks that i've been to they've been really relaxed on some of the safety especially when it comes to some of the cars
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially at a grassroots level i mean that's you would basically show up in a stock car and you can go drive
0: but what in your opinion day. what's your what do you think for someone who's super into grassroots what do you think is a minimum requirement for for a tech inspection
1: well, it depends on track. I honestly think track is the big definition of what you should need. Um, some go of, with, the tracks, let's go with some of the tracks, some of the track, I don't U.S. See any Air, walls. U.S. Air. I believe that you shouldn't need pretty much anything but the bare minimum when it comes to cars up, but. At USAir, your top speed is maybe 40, 50 miles per hour, and it's one turn. Um, mm. I mean, it's it's a little fast, but there's nothing... I mean, you, I honestly think you shouldn't be tandeming... I mean, I'm guilty of it, but you shouldn't be tandeming without a cage, maybe? I mean,
0: not I... At Gr- not at Grange. <laughs>
1: but us is the same way i drove all the years there and i've never had a cage and this is my this is my first car with a cage and but
0: but if you think you're going their top speed there and let's just the worst fucking case scenario you're at top speed you get sideways and someone stopped right there and you you pretty much go sideways into their corner of their car do you how badly do you think that's gonna be at their, the top speed you can get at that track.
1: You're not... The thing is, is the top speed at that track is one of their longer straights, but mm-hmm. you're slowing down into almost a 90-degree corner, which you... Well, actually, I think it's a little bit more than that. But you slow down quite a bit before the turn because you kind of have to unless you... Either that or you're going to yard sail it into the ditch, um, but at some of the other track or one of the other tracks I've been to was Gingerman and there's a straight there where you can be doing a hundred plus if you had a good powerful car. Mm-hmm. And I went to that one with no cage. I couldn't tandem with people because of no cage. Um, and honestly, I kind of felt like I needed a cage <laughs> <laughs> because. It's a very fast track. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, it can be very dangerous. Um, and there was a few times when I was sitting in the, in the mud because I did a, one of like the April events or something like that, and it was just a bunch of rain, and the whole track was just a solid sheet of mud, which made it glass. But there's, I mean, looking back at it, I was like, if a car came piling down that straight and slid into me i didn't have a cage and i'd be stuck in that car and i'd be hit with no cage yep and i don't know it's one of those things where i was when i was younger i didn't think about it and now that i'm getting older i kind of think about it because now i think about all the other things because one of the things i just had i had uh nate from villains on that and was, uh, i'm
0: almost done with that episode i got like 15 minutes left
1: yeah, and we were talking about um, one of his teammates blew up uh, a fly or blew up a pressure plate, um, yeah. and now I have this irrational fear that uh, that might happen to me.
0: Which I'm glad it, you brought that up. Um, and go ahead. I know
1: that that's I don't think that's a rule implemented in FD either. It's not. And obviously it it, it needs with to be. some of the Yeah, it needs to be. I mean they you, you wear a Hans device in FD now. I mean we'll just I even it. thought I even thought about getting one of those, but it I, doesn't work with my half shell helmets. So that ain't
0: happening. Yeah, I, I need to get one for myself to be honest. Uh especially after I the wall. Um but yeah, that the whole idea between having a uh what is it a blowproof bell housing? You know, which is basically an SFI rated bell housing. Yeah. I remember when I was when I was building my BMW, I was looking for a bell housing because of the transmission I run. Um I run an old hot rod transmission which is a Muncie from the like the 60s and 70s muscle cars. Yeah, a m- Muncie uh 4-speed? Yeah, I get a Muncie 4-speed. So, oh, yeah. di-
1: I I I know, don't
0: worry. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. A lot of people are like, "What?" <laughs> um, yeah. So my dad, he was like, "Oh, you're gonna get a blowproof uh, bell housing, right?" And I was like, "No, I'm not spending money on that shit." And he goes, "No, no, no, no." And he goes, "If you," and then he showed there. I forgot what it was called. I think it was like Left Foot Tommy or something like that. I don't know the guy's name. Some dude. They used to do drive an old dragster, or left yeah Left Foot Tom. I don't remember. Well, anyways, cut. Clutch blew through the bell housing and cut his left foot off. Nope, yep. or his right foot, and he only had left foot. I can't remember what the story is, but so he talked me into it. And I ended up just getting like an old one from fucking a a used NASCAR one for like a hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, well, obviously it's it's a safe route to go, even yeah. with. I, I'm actually gonna put one on my car. I'm gonna put not put an SFI bell housing, but I'm gonna put a um, the, lops, the one of the blankets or whatever. Yeah, it that is. also
0: works too. That's
1: yeah, it's it's a cheaper alternative to an SFI. Rated, no, if they uh, didn't, make,
0: if like there wasn't an option to get one, that that's what the route I would have went. Yeah, or at least done something to either a beef up the uh, trans tunnel right there where the clutch could possibly blow. Yeah. On the inside or outside, depending on if there's there's room inside the trans tunnel or if I had to do it inside the uh, the cockpit of the car.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that has been on my mind with me building my car. Obviously, I'm, my car is one of those weird things where... I'm trying. I'm building it myself, all all by myself. Like, because it was a, it's a test for me. Because I'm doing the cage. I'm doing everything when it comes to all the fab work, and I'm gonna paint it and everything. Same. And um, when I started kind of getting into it, is like, what is the best setup that I want to do, or how would I want to do it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it, it's been a learning curve, especially, but. Um, it's been unique I'll, I'll give it that now that I'm seeing like stuff that I've done in the past where I'll just like eh, I could have done that different and I want to do stuff a little safer this time
0: no definitely and then it's also you also have like that sense of pride when you do everything yourself yeah oh yeah and I think at the end of the day that's all that's what we all want <laughs> so when it comes to pro
1: am and what do you do? You think anything that should be implemented to make it easier for the up and comer to be in it, if they want to do that kind of thing?
0: I think pro am across the board should have some type of uniformity. Um, and what I mean by that is like, so pro two has a pro two rule book. Yeah, and I think personal opinion is that FD should be like, hey, if you want to give out licenses. These are the rules that you have to abide by. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Because that's what a lot of people, from my understanding, I don't know personally. Um, that mm. a lot of people will go to Pro 2 and be like, well, they didn't make me do that in pro M." They're like, well, this isn't pro M." Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. in the, like the biggest thing um, is to like read your rule book. A lot of people will just kind of like oversee it or they'll... Uh, They'll kind of skip some things, I guess, is the best way to say it. Or ignore, rather. Yeah. Yeah, mostly ignore and just be like, well, okay, well, I'm here, so can I just go? And they're not going to say, yes, you can just, you know, we'll let you drive. Just fix it for next time. They're going to tell you no fuck off. So I think that yeah. should be implemented, you know, just to just kind of, you know, train the drivers who do want to go pro and then for even the guys that just want to do it for fun to see where they're at, it still gives them that challenge to be like, okay, I have to follow a set of rules. Yeah. And, and some people don't like that. And that's cool too. Then I would suggest just, if you don't, you know, just find another competition. But even if yeah. you do find another one, there's going to be said roles.
1: Yeah. I see that. One of the things that I, I saw is, with pro two that I thought was very unique was the tire rule that they implemented. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a viable option for a lot of guys in pro am that have to run a certain size tire to be competitive with other cars. I mean, I know when it comes to pro am, there's a little bit of difference because you can have guys out there with 300 horsepower all the way up to 600 because some of them are going into the Pro Two, so you have about a six hundred horsepower. And now that you have a few of these Pro Two guys, kind of, um, there, there's even a little bit of a divide in that one
2: uh-huh.
1: when it comes to it. I mean, there's some guys that run Pro Two, and they run a little bit lower horsepower.
0: Yeah, there's a dude running a fucking a KA with a stock bottom end and a big turbo on it and I can't remember his yeah, damn but, name
1: yeah but well how well is he doing he's not
0: doing well at all it's and it's not him I think it's his car he's, yeah he's trying to make a point and and it's uh I, I don't know i hope I hope better for him this season i don't I can't remember his damn name at the moment
1: yeah I just I want I want to see Pro 2 become the kind of feeder for FD, but I don't know. There's some of the rules I I have against it. And one of the things is the tire rule, because once they go to Pro, that tire rule's gone. And now what works for 600 horsepower on that said tire, yeah,
0: 255 at a a
1: 2,900 pound car. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're going to Pro where your 2,900-pound you're car runs a what? Two, it's a 285 or
0: 295. I can't remember. Yeah,
1: it's like one of those two. So now you're under horse, and now you're on a bigger tire. So you have to figure out a brand-new setup within a, half a year, from maybe? My, from my understanding three, is that
0: I'm hearing that a lot of the Pro drivers don't have as much horsepower as they're saying. Which...
1: Honestly, i I think, I think that that pro two level tire should be implemented into pro one,
0: where everyone and, should be on the same tire. Yes, which in
1: in turn will dial dial back Power. horsepower. Another another thing that I have against pro one, and I don't know if it's implemented with pro 2. well pro two. It is because they have to run two diff, two or three. Different tire manufacturers, as I have a problem with the tire manufacturers. Obviously, if you want to be in Formula Drift to run their tire, you have to, their sponsor has to support Formula Drift with the tire.
0: Yeah. And like you can't run acceleras in fucking and yeah. yeah. So,
1: you're deterring a lot of the people that you want to support your sport. I don't know. I I, I don't I I guess it's corporate policy. I, I don't know how that all works out.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Obviously the details.
1: it's sponsorship, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's a hindrance because there's probably a lot of tire manufacturers that want to showcase these I don't I I know I think Achilles are one of those tire brands that aren't a true tire. I think they're a retread. No. Is is it? No. Or what am I thinking of? One of them's a... There's a tire brand out there that's a retread. I mean, is it Zestinos, maybe? I'm not sure. Valino? I can't... Yeah, maybe. I think there's... A, are those retreads?
0: I don't know. I don't think so.
1: I know there's a few manufacturers that do actually like retread tires. And... I don't want to get it wrong because somebody will correct me, but
0: <laughs> in an asshole manner. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, But there's a lot of these smaller companies that produce tires that would be more welcome to come on, but I don't think they're, they have the opportunity to.
0: The rumor has it, just a fucking rumor so I can spread it as much as I want, um, but you know, with no... With no actual... The person I heard it from doesn't matter. Yeah, so rumor had is, it, is Federals coming in. Yeah, that, that's where, another... Where they're coming in? I don't know. They didn't say if they were going to just Pro 2. Because... Yeah. I, the way I see it is, like, I think right now Nexon has the... I don't know if it's Nexon or Achilles, but between the we're... two of them, they have the most tires out there. Yeah. Because and... they're doing all I mean,
1: the... can't compound makes a difference but i don't know it it's one of those things where there's a lot of cars with a lot of grip now i mean now that i mean after what was it chelsea donofa had that tire gluing situation happen it seems like a lot of people learned how to make a lot of horsepower and hold tires together and not like i haven't heard of a dB i think last season almost at all and that's kind of odd to see since we, like one year we had like six of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that either people are finding more um, grip in their cars or they're just um, making less horsepower and putting it down better. I, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> a chassis expert. I just do a bunch of stupid grassroots stuff, but I, I like to observe and kind of try to figure out setups and everything.
0: I don't think, how long have you been uh, driving?
1: Um, God, I think
0: I started driving in like 2012, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I think, shit. I mean, I didn't get into the sport, like I've always known about drifting, but I didn't get into it until 2015. Yeah. So yeah i I've always been low horsepower this is like gonna be my first
1: car with horsepower and I'm not sure if I'm gonna like it or I'm gonna hate it but
0: <laughs> what uh what's your goal on the horsepower range or whats your um, setup supposed to be I got
1: I'm guessing it's gonna be around like 350 to 400 um it's a five three iron block lS well lq4. Because, you know, LS guys will hate that I said it's calls an LS.
0: No one's going to um, hate that. <laughs> That's fucking stupid.
1: It's it's LS6 cams, LS6 heads. Okay. Um, so you have the 243s?
0: Yeah, 243s. Okay. With, so I have, yeah, I have
1: those two With dual valve springs, um, hollow push rods. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Um, Don't know what I'm going to do for intake and everything yet, but...
0: So but you can have, I? you have a 53 with uh 243 heads. Yeah. Um LS6 cam, right? Yep. Okay. And then what other mods are you going with other than headers that you, I would assume are swap headers for the car? Um if you're even going with I, this.
1: I I think I'm just going to do shorties uh that's, just that's because fine. just because clearance is kind of an issue with the FCs. Cause obviously a rotary in that thing is really small compared to
0: which oh. intake.
1: Um, truck I'm probably intake? just going to, I'm just going to do something cheapy probably.
0: Um,
1: I'm not doing truck. No,
0: no. no? Okay. So LS six is probably your best bet. That's supposed to be like the best flowing one. Yeah. For the I, cathedral. That,
1: that, one of the things is I, I really don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think I, that I, L, I've seen LS1 intakes go for, like, 100 bucks.
1: Yeah, and so. the the thing is, is I'm kind of just building the car for reliability because I did dual valve springs. Well, you kinda, already got
0: an LS in it. It's, it's going to be reliable. Well,
1: it, yeah, that's the thing is I want to build it, drive the hell out of it, don't have to work on it. <sighs>
0: yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. Like, I was considering... Throwing a whole bunch of horsepower to the car for no fucking reason, by the way, not because it makes you a better driver, <laughs> and it doesn't. Um, but I think I'm at like 420 at the wheels now, and I think I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah, and, uh,
1: and I. And that's another thing is uh one of the things I think about at the crash, or at pro am level is I don't think you should really go for high horsepower I think you should really focus on car setup because that's where it's going to pay off in the long run and trying to get the most grip out of your car is going to be your best bet but
0: and learn to drive with that grip with lower horsepower
1: yeah exactly because I think you'll the more you learn about car setup when it comes to grip and being able to drive with that grip Will benefit you more than just throwing horsepower at a car.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that, and that's that's kind of like what I figured out this year. Is like I was like, oh, I want to add more power, just yeah, to and... do it, not because it's yeah. gonna benefit me.
1: Yeah, and I think because that's the way it's going these days is there's a lot, lot more that goes into the car setup versus the actual horsepower because. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny to think that Daigo really fucked up the the um, pro aspect of it. And now that we got this, like, now that it's starting to come down, where you're seeing a lot more, a little bit more tame cars come into it.
0: And a bit more conservative, like, I think Matt Van Kirk said he was doing, like, 580 at the wheels. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't know what uh, Dirk Stratton was running I don't I don't remember him mentioning like releasing an actual number
2: yeah
1: I, I'm really curious to see I mean I, I don't know what it's gonna be in the next few years but it seems like they're at the limit of what their tires can do now so I don't see that there's gonna be more horsepower thrown at a car. I think it's gonna come down to more people trying to utilize the chassis versus and I think that's another thing that's gonna change is now you're gonna see a lot more cars with more developed chassis and
0: setups. Yeah. And then you know I always thought that was weird is like people are like so secretive. Yeah, huh,
1: it's any form of competitive motorsports.
0: I I just always find it it uh I just find it weird. You know, in plain English. Yeah. I don't see why So if you wanna be com- my my thought is if you wanna be competitive personally I wanna beat someone at their best if that's the point to be competitive is to beat someone at, when they're at their best. So I wouldn't want to like hold anything back. I'm not going to tell them what I have done in my car, but you know what I mean? <laughs> to learn more grip yeah. setups. Like a lot of people are like, oh, we don't discuss how you get more grip. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah.
1: And uh, I I think that's why the uh, grassroots kind of stuff has been kind of gaining popularity where there's probably a few guys out there that, will tell you every little aspect of the car yeah
2: Yeah.
1: and tell you because i know there's a few guys that actually came from FD that go back into grassroots and just do these party events and events where they just want to go have fun because one of the local guys here is um that's actually really close to me Uh, his name is brian peters and he actually used to be a Formula Drift driver, and now he just kind of loves just doing the grassroots stuff. I know he does a few, like, Pro-Am events occasionally.
0: Yeah, and that's but cool uh
1: Yeah, and, I mean, he did it once. And and it, he did what he wanted to, but I, I just, I think but, the barrier but, now... But he still loves the sport. 160 horsepower Miata.
0: <laughs> you said barrier, and then... We have a barrier. Oh, you cut out? Yeah, we have a barrier with my internet connection.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't even remember what I said,
2: so I <laughs> don't feel that. All right,
0: cool. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that, you know, even though it didn't work out for him, like, he still loves drifting, right?
1: No, he, it didn't, I wouldn't say it didn't work out for him. It's, um, he just didn't want to do it anymore. Which, some people, it's not for them. No, yeah. But.
0: Exactly, but he I mean, still loves may, drifting. Maybe
1: it takes, maybe it takes trying to do it to uh, realize
0: to find out you don't, you hate it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might uh, hate it. it was just, it's just maybe yeah. it's just too taxing. I, I just, feel I like... never really talked to him about it. I mean, I always wondered what makes.
0: I feel like it could be, it could kind of be like meeting your hero. Yeah, you it, it could mean? be. It's like you, you follow this quote-unquote dream, and then you're like fuck this
1: yeah I mean there's there's always some sort of somebody that gets out of the sport because it's too much for them or they just can't do it anymore
0: yeah I could see it get tiring I have so much fucking editing to do with this stupid ass cutting in and out I know I have like did you not just get that no, it cut out again. It pissed me off.
1: <laughs> All right, I know I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to spend like two hours editing.
0: Actually, the <laughs> thing I love about Audacity is that you can see like the gaps. Yeah, and then I just kind of skip forward to the gaps since it's happened so fucking much.
1: <laughs> well, with <laughs> you it is now. I have to sit and <laughs> listen to it
0: uh... I'm hearing me talk. <laughs> I will oh right i'll I'll send you a copy. <laughs> I'll just email it to you.
1: oh, uh, it's cool, man. I can do it,
0: yeah, this thing sucks, but I'm trying to work it out, but stupid other laptop sucks too
1: nope.
0: when do you uh when do you foresee your car being done?
1: Oh God, maybe another year depends on how well things go like i when i started building the car i kind of real i started when i started it i was making really good money but i was never home to work on it so i just had this like big stack of parts and now that i didn't i got out of that job now i have not that many parts but a lot of like Car like kind of put together, but now I have a whole new list of parts that I need. So I don't know every it, with mine. It's it, it's I always wanted it to be a streetable car, so I want to be able to go to I don't know, go get ice cream or go to fast food and go get something or go yeah. to groceries in it eventually. But so it, it's a different breed of killer when it comes to that. But basically, I've pretty much had every bolt off the car. Um, I'm rerunning brake... I have to rerun brake lines. I have to rerun gas lines. I'm re... re, I'm actually rebuying a whole new wiring harness and rewiring everything myself so I have my own harness in it.
0: Are you going to use, like, a pre-made wiring harness that you're going to... Yeah.
1: I'm going to go with one of, like, the painless wiring harnesses and then add in stuff that I need for like surge tank, fuel pump, um, um, various little things that I want to throw in at like radio gauges and everything is going to kind of work on it's off its own.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I make my just, own harness cause they're expensive.
1: Yeah. Just for um, re- reliability purposes and troubleshooting purposes. Yeah because uh, I've I, I don't like wiring gremlins especially when it came to owning a BMW which they're notorious for so yeah I, I'm just gonna go with a painless um, hot rod wiring harness that I'm just gonna cut and use all the old connections from uh, the FC to kind of... Mate into the new one
0: that's what i did it worked great yeah i had no issues and then i like ah the only thing i had to do since bmw's uh shit is the brake pedal um button yeah i had to just buy some like generic one off of amazon because it was the e46 button and apparently that one requires some other bullshit i didn't feel like looking up and that button was $5 so i bought the $5 button
1: yeah it's understandable i i think i'm i'm trying to figure out what the hell i want to go with all my drive like uh with trans, all,
0: all the transit like? all t56 oh i hate that thing uh,
1: it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's
0: uh that's what the Cadillacs came with and I think it was because uh if you ever if you ever see like there's like this T fifty six um it's kinda of side by side comparison with the GTO T fifty six, the F body and the C T S V. And if you yeah. look at the C T S V, it has some shitty ass linkage on it that caused everybody nothing but problems. So as far hmm. as I'm concerned, that trans sucks. And it was probably just a stupid ass um Linkage. Probably just the linkage. Yeah. Because they use like, what, rubber bushings. and
1: What I, I've heard that is kind of notorious for them is people that like to rest their hand on the shifter when like, they're driving. They tend to have the synchros go out on them. And that's kind of one of the issues
0: that it, I've heard. Oh, just the T56 in general? yeah there's a couple so like there's one where you'll blow out fifth and sixth gear because what happens is oh shit i don't have it in here but i do i think it's in my garage um what so you know what is it yeah they're splines so fifth and sixth gear are together on the back of the spline and i remember one day i just shifted from fourth to fifth doing 60 miles an hour um on a on a freeway junction, changing freeways, and as soon as I put it in fifth, it just fucking read, it just revved all the way up. I ended up getting the transit <laughs> part and it sheared fifth right off. Jesus. So when I would try to engage fifth or sixth, because since they're they're locked in together, it just wouldn't lock in. Yeah. So I ended I ended up having to pay replace the whole main shaft and the fifth and sixth gear, and then still do the rebuild, which ended up first i did it myself in my garage and it still cost me almost two grand
1: (laughs) yeah that'll happen yeah
0: but if you ever have to work on that thing if you are building your own car if you have that much knowledge that trans is ridiculously easy to take apart
1: yeah uh, that's what i've heard yeah so um i i have a t56 out of an old no a 96 Mm -hmm. i think it's a 96 yeah so i have to Pull it apart and put a new input shaft in.
0: Is that what that deal is? You have to change the input shaft to, for the LS conversion? Yep. That's it? Is it the length?
1: It Yeah. You have to change the input shaft and um, the face that bolts onto the bell housing, which I have, thank God.
0: You have the bell housing?
1: No, I don't have that bell housing. That's one thing I have to buy. But, it, yeah, because the old style is a fork and uh
0: the new style is the hydraulic
1: yeah the throw-out bearing it's still it's still hydraulic
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: the the older ones use a fork style with a clutch slave and um the new ones are just a throw-out bearing
0: Mm, okay i never knew i never looked at the difference because i never had the old never had a deal with it yeah yeah so that's good to know though oh yeah uh, were those parts easy to come by or kinda hard to come by?
1: Oh yeah. Rock auto everywhere. <laughs> nice.
0: I think That's the best thing about an LS. Dude, I know. I yeah, I was uh like so I had to buy two cars for my getup I have right now. The yeah. original car I was supposed to buy, uh I kinda got screwed over. The guy didn't even have a title for it. So I was like, I can't buy your car, but I'm gonna buy all your parts. And then yeah. uh, I went, and, I don't know if you know the guy, uh, Kyle Stryker. Mm-hmm. He's out of the Pacific Northwest. He worked at uh, P- Portland Speed Industries. He worked out of that shop. Okay. And I bought his old car. But it ended up being just a bare shell with a cage in it.
1: Well, there's half the work right there.
0: No shit. I don't <laughs> have to take the floor out. Something. I'll, if I can never do that again, I'll be okay with that. So,
2: yeah that's
1: so I have a question for you, yeah, what do you think about the number one drifting podcast? Oh, that represents pro driving
0: uh I think it's a a great show to listen to. I think it's a lot easier when you have two other people with you to kind of yeah. steer the conversation where you want it. Cause I've had some guests on, I'm like, uh, um, yeah, which I edit out later, but, <laughs> but there's like a long pause of nothing. And then sometimes you kind of like, just don't relate to someone or you really don't have, uh, what is it? Chemistry. Yeah. I, I,
1: I don't know. I, I've had mixed emotions on it. Like,
0: yeah, I think it's a
1: decent setup, but I don't,
0: I don't know how I feel about cause I don't know. They, I know I, they're focused it, on still, mainstream stuff.
1: Yeah, and that's it, cool. It,
0: but I think they're just giving the fans what they want. Yeah, you know.
1: Uh, obviously, I, uh, I have a different aspect when it comes to what line of drifting I'm in. Um, it, it's different for me that I see when I look at you, their stuff.
0: But, I thought uh, I. Think
1: it should be a little more professional when it comes to what they do. Eh.
0: I think I appreciate the fact that it's not so serious. Eh.
1: Yeah. I-, I could see that.
0: You know, it's like like they're you know, at the end of the day they're still fucking people and they yeah. don't seem to have changed their show much. No. At least not the way and they act. I-, I would say that they've kind of focused more on the pro stuff before I remember they would do a lot, they would have like grassroots things with certain yeah. people. They would have, um, some pro-am drivers on now. They just, it's been a while since they have had that. Yeah. At least I want to say like a solid year. since the last time I remember a pro-am guy going on. Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it's just one of those things where you kind of, I, I like hearing from the pros. I like kind of hearing what they do. mm um. Obviously, they have a little more accessibility when it comes to talking to pros and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I have mixed emotions about. It.
0: Yeah, I like the like, show.
1: I, I, I like it. I listen to it. Mine's um, basically
0: a fucking imitation of theirs.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. So, it's not to say I, I'm not going to lie bullshit and say no. Mine's an original idea. It's a lot of it's yeah. because. I was like, "Oh well, they don't." Yeah. There's nothing like this for pro am. Yeah, that's why the show came.
1: Yeah, that's kind of why I started doing it. It's really weird that we kind of started at the almost the same exact
0: fucking exact time. time. Yeah, <laughs> I found out through you from ten uh, tenth.
2: Yeah,
0: from uh oh, yeah. Michael, and they were talking about it on one of the episodes. I was like, "Oh shit, there's another fucking um, drifting <laughs> podcast." And then I don't know. Have you heard uh, Piston Head Productions podcast? No, I haven't. Uh his is pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, he he sent me a message and he wanted to do something, but I, I I'm so busy half the time. Yeah. Um so say, but... I'm lucky to even get a episode out of my show a week.
0: Yeah, you know, between being a a parent working full time and having a car to build. Yeah. Yeah, this is taking a lot out of me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I understand. <laughs> so, and I'm I'm still trying to, cause I think I might run. I just started thinking about it the other day. I might do Southwest Drift this year, cause they only have three rounds, and then I kind of get to travel a little bit. Yeah. You know, well, see some places where does I've never that, seen. Where does that encompass? Uh, I think it starts in Vegas, then it goes to Colorado. Don't ask me where. In Colorado, and then it ends in Arizona. There's only three rounds, from my understanding.
1: Hey, that doesn't sound too bad. No, I mean, that's probably what the farthest drive is. Maybe what ten hours for you?
0: Yeah, from my understanding. Yeah. And it's just kind of like because then I take my kid everywhere with me, or at least yeah. I try to take him to all my events. You know, him going to the same racetrack all the time. You know, I don't really, I don't really care to travel, but I figure like I can, I could still show him places he's never seen, with that you know kind of two like birds yeah. one stone deal yeah it's understandable so, we'll
1: yeah see. and i you know i i i want to go to a lot more tracks i want to be able to go drive a lot more tracks um that's also the one main of main reason that's one of it's one of my ambitions i'm, I'm gonna try to what what's the cars up trying to be able to get to some of these two-day events around the country where i can actually get to um
0: yeah, I wanted to go to Winter Jam this year up at Sonoma, but uh, I broke my car. So, when I sold everything <laughs> off of it already by the time it came. Yeah. That, that happens. Huh? Yeah, so... but We'll see. Hopefully this year I can actually make it and possibly do like an All-Star Bash deal.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I want to get back out to one of the bigger bigger events, um, even with a low powered car with no cage and no nothing really done to
0: it. Yeah, I don't care shit. I'll do the same thing. And then, uh, are you planning on getting a second car as well, or are you just gonna run your F C?
1: Um, i pl- I think I'm gonna get a second car because I want to. I want to get back in the driver's seat next year. Um, and the way it looks like is I'm not gonna have enough money nor time to get the FC up and running by the time I want it to be.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I'm kind of in the same boat with this car. I, I really don't know when it's going to be done. Like, I just I just got... or My knuckles are being done right now. I just ordered headers. I have most of the parts. Um, but I still have a lot of little shit to finish. Like all the plumbing. That shit gets expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, before you know it, you're you could be anywhere from like, depending on how cheap you go, two hundred bucks into plumbing, or you could be you know fifteen hundred bucks into plumbing.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I know. I'm. I I think I've spent like, I don't know almost like three hundred in plumbing already with my
0: surge tank set up. It's not even done yet, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm worried. About. I run a. I run a. I try to get away with as much as I can. Like, I have, uh, like, a used fuel cell I got from, like, a boat. No, it wasn't in a boat. It was from <laughs> a movie car. So I ended up buying the fuel cell out of it for, like, 150 so
1: bucks. Is it just a regular, like, drag-style no.
0: fuel cell? No, it's a, it's a jazz fuel cell, so it has the plastic inside. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's quote unquote a bladder, but it's kind of weird because, um, FD, their rule book, it kind of says their bladder is interpreted as, um, like the bag type bladder. Yeah. Or it doesn't say it directly, but the plastic bladder will pass their tech because Taylor Hole runs it in his Cadillac.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: That's. That's one of those weird things where you almost want to build your car when it comes to um, Pro-Am. You want to build it for Pro with no intention of actually driving that car in Pro yeah. just so you can actually be able to drive all the events that you want.
0: Exactly. Because
1: rule books change from track to track and um, organizer to organizer.
0: Yeah, and if you have just like an, quote unquote, quote unquote FD legal car, and that's just for safety standards. Yeah, you know I, I'm pretty sure when you go to like Winter Jam, most of their stuff is just safety. They're not worried if you have, or at least I assume, they don't care if you have the um, the subframe sandwiched all the way up. Yeah, because FD, that's yeah. like a big no no.
1: Yeah, it's I don't I didn't when I heard that rule i thought was kind of weird that you need actual spacers
0: yeah uh i didn't someone explained it to me and i was like cool i still didn't get (laughs) it because i just it's i was just like well i know i'm not allowed to do that so i'm just not gonna do it
1: yeah i i heard about that rule and i was just like huh okay but obviously there's probably good reasoning behind it
0: yeah, I would assume so. I I think Kevin explained it on the episode he was on. Um, Kevin Wells. And he he just said something about... It was a certain setting and it allowed you to do something that other cars wouldn't be able to. Which kind of gave you an advantage over something. And I can't remember exactly what it was.
1: Huh. Well, I could see if you... Because it, it, it has to be what shimmed up a certain amount.
0: It has to be in its stock location. Oh. So basically, if there, if it's half an inch of like spacing between your bushing, your subframe, and the actual frame of the car, it needs to stay at half an inch. Okay. I believe. I think that's how I read it. Huh. All right. But I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't quote me on that. But what do you, how do you what do you feel about the uh the other drifting podcast maximum drift Cuffs, obviously. That's we're gonna fucking talk about I, anything else.
1: I, I I don't know. I like listening to it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I li- I listen to almost every show and I don't know. I, I feel like there's a little too much jokiness behind it sometimes. But I feel like I, there's more. I feel like there's more questions that should be asked that pertain to some of the drivers that would you'd like to hear from some of the drivers, especially with kind of what needs to go into being a pro because it's always been. I've always been kind of curious about it. Maybe it's just me that wants that more than the average listener.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... It's just one of those things where I want to know more about this weird, stupid sport and what people do to do it for what they want to do. Yeah, Because as as much as I love the grassroots and I like being a part of the grassroots and doing grassroots driving doesn't mean I don't like the full aspect of pro. Yeah. Do I think it's a viable option for everybody?
0: No, no, not at all.
1: What do I think it's a viable option for people trying to do it? I don't know about that anymore because I mean, the barrier is really high for pretty much anybody that wants to get into it now.
2: But expensive.
1: obviously, yeah, obviously there's steps to get to it, but I don't know, to be a driver now, you got to be this almost, you almost need like a PR agent <laughs> and be able to wear a bunch of hats, which I like being the grassroots guy and not having to wear those hats and just going out and drive. But, I don't know, that's just my take on it all.
0: Yeah, I, I've always liked their show. Um, I think that sometimes, like when they're recording, they're just like, "Let's go to the Instagram questions." I think sometimes they, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, like go through the questions because especially now they get a lot more questions. But if you ever read yeah. them, some of them are really fucking good questions. I was like, "Damn, I wanted to know the answer to that." Yeah, but.
1: Then they got how many Pat Goodens? Kind hmm. of a duck-sized Pat Gooden fight. Pat Goodens with a hundred ducks of Pat Gooden, and you just go, "Well, oh, now that you've ruined what could have been a really good question, you would pick that one."
0: <laughs> yeah, and and but, I like I appreciate the comedic relief. I have gotten over that fucking joke though. <laughs> it's it's pretty much. <laughs> Like, like we, we heard that one already shut up
1: <laughs> like I like listening to them don't get me wrong It just sometimes it's just like I don't want to know what's going on with some of these drivers and hey, some of the stuff gets kind of lost in some of the things that they do
0: yeah but I think they, they put a lot of good information out there for people
1: oh don't get me wrong I think they do but
0: I think and that's the reason I like, started my podcast is like, they just say, go through Pro-Am. Yeah. They don't say, but... well, how do you get into Pro-Am? Like, a lot of people are fucking stupid, unfortunately, and they can't figure that out.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of pro out there with not a lot of region. Uh, and I know there's quite a few that are sanctioned by FD and some of them aren't. So then you have to go to some places that you have to go to get an FD license.
0: Yeah. Which can be kind of hard for people.
1: Yeah. Not to mention, when you want to start doing FD, you got to make it to the rounds, which the rounds are very spread out. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have to travel from one coast to the next coast just to make an event.
0: Yeah. That's true. Um, That's tough. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. having a... Not everyone can afford to, like, have their car stay in California. Let's just say California, because California has two two events that are, like, within 100 miles of each other. I think it's, like, 60 miles now. Maybe 70. Yeah, but how many Pro 2 events are out there? No, I'm just saying, like... (laughs) <laughs> two th- that's that's two series of pro-am where you're able to possibly get your license now if you could find uh, someone yeah. to store your car for you make a friend yeah. on the internet see if they have room and
1: that's another and, option
0: and fly your happy ass in you know what i mean like that's that is an option but you know it's i can see how hard it would be to to actually make that happen yeah but a lot of people don't know how to use like the resources they have, or don't know they have that resource because they don't ask questions.
1: Yeah. I I know there's quite a few people when MDU was kind of the big thing. There's a lot of guys coming up from different regions of the country to go drive MDU. And I know MDU had a lot of unique tracks too, especially with the streets of Detroit event. If you've ever seen that one, I, Guarantee you should go watch that. YouTube some of the videos from it. Mm. Really cool. Um but yeah. Yeah, that new Jim Kahana Ken Block thing. Yeah, he's not the first person to do that. MDU
0: was. Oh shit, really? You'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: when I... he drives into when he drives into Detroit, that's the same layout that they use for MDU.
0: Oh shit. Yep. That's pretty dope. I'll have to look at it. Yeah.
1: yeah, Very, very cool event when they did it. I don't think they ever got a lot back there, but.
0: (laughs) Probably not. That's probably why there wasn't another one. No, the
1: another thing was it was, like, in the heart of the fucking ghetto in Detroit, which. (laughs) Oh, shit,
0: really? (laughs) Dude, I got to. Actually. You might know him since you listen to the other podcast, uh the macho man Randy Sanchez guy. Um uh, he typically no, asks the duck question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he uh he lives out in Detroit. I don't okay. know. I don't know if he lives in the in the hood or not. I think I, I remember him saying he's like maybe like a block over. He's like it's questionable <laughs> if I remember correctly, <laughs> but he's uh He's actually a E thirty six guy too. Okay. So, he does that. But now I forgot where I was going with that because I'm lost. But. Um, you got anything left? No, I think I'm. I'm tired.
1: Yeah, same here. Was it like eleven thirty over there? Yeah, and I gotta be up at five.
0: Oh. Oh, I'm not the only <laughs> asshole tonight because I did that last night. But, yeah. All right, man. Uh, all right. Thank you for doing this, dude.
1: Oh no, thank you, man. This is this has been
0: great. Yeah, same. I dude. know it's
1: it's weird me talking about drifting versus me talking to people about drifting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's definitely a little different. I right, I I talked a little bit more in this episode than I have on others. So. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. So it I was cool. <laughs> All right man. And then uh oh, yeah. so if people can reach you where
1: um if you want to reach out to me for the tandem podcast uh just send me an instant message on Instagram um and if you want to follow my crappy builds and um I do a little bit of cooking <laughs> you can follow me on uh full club mike <laughs> On my Instagram. But besides that, it really got nothing.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. You said it was full club, Mike?
1: Full clip. Uh That's the drift team I was on. Or it's still on.
0: You're in, um, you're on timeout. Hey, uh, I did have someone uh, comment on my Facebook about you only being available on iTunes.
1: Um, no, I'm on iTunes and Spotify, and I'm still waiting on approval from Google Play.
0: How long have you been waiting on that?
1: I don't know. I, I did it a, like a week ago. I figured I'd get an email, but I haven't checked Google Play. I probably should. And once I find out from that, I will <laughs> know more.
0: Yeah, I remember I did all mine in one shot because I didn't want to deal with it again.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't think of I, I still need to get, like, on what's it tuned in
0: i don't think i'm on tuned in try stitcher i heard stitcher is a big one yeah i'm gonna try don't that quote, next don't quote <laughs> me on that it's probably not but yeah so
1: you can find me on those two for now until i get more and i'll make that i'll post up something for that
0: yeah all right man thank you again dude sounds yep, good. no problem you have a good Thanks. night and we'll... yep you too all right man we'll talk again sometime All right, right, later.